Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. If you've been journeying with us, you know that we're in this series and looking at the idea of God's great exchange of trading beauty for ashes. And um, a testimony today is the message. That's the series. It's that God's love never fails. Uh, so if you would open your copy of Scripture with me, uh, we're going to turn one more time to Isaiah 61. Uh, you know, we've been camped out here looking at the great exchange and the great grace and mercy that is available in Christ. And today as we conclude, uh, let's go there one more time. So Isaiah 61, uh, beginning in verse 1, says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, Would you pray with me just briefly? Lord, as we open your word today, Lord God, may we open our hearts to the infilling, the leading, the guiding of your Holy Spirit today, Lord God. May you speak through your word, and Lord, may we uh, overwhelmingly respond, yes, Jesus, to whatever your call is on our hearts today, Lord, as we look at your great grace and mercy and beauty for ashes, and it's in your name we pray, amen. So as we have been journeying through this series, you know that We started here very intentionally because as Jesus went public, as he kind of came out of the shadows of his early years and as he started his ministry, this is the very scripture that he pointed to to say, this is what I'm about. This reveals a little bit to us of what Jesus' own self-understanding was, of what his mission was to be, what he was doing here on earth. And so as we have looked at this and, and we look through the pages of the Gospels, we see that Jesus not only pointed to this, but he lived and breathed this scripture. He brought it to fulfillment in his time, in his life. He brought about the great redemption, the great exchange, if you will. And so as these prophetic words were penned, they were really fulfilled in Christ Jesus. They had served a a point, a signpost for those who were in exile. They brought hope to those who were far from their homeland, from God's promise and the Babylonian empire in that exile. And so as that hope was spoken to that generation that was in exile, we see the fulfillment in Christ Jesus. And today as we have looked and we have studied since Resurrection Sunday that we as resurrection people can take part in this great exchange as well because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we too are living in this passage because of God's great mercy. And so would you pick back up with me today in the text at verse 2 where it says, "...to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. And so here we come up on the great exchange, the three bad trades. We've been looking at one of the glories of God is that he will make bad trades with us. He'll give us that good deer jerky for some celery sticks. He will make bad trades. 
And so as we look here, it says to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so we see in trade number one, we looked at on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, this idea of beauty for ashes. And we know that God offers us value and restoration for those worthless and destitute places in our life. It's a reconstruction for deconstruction. It's life for death. It's beauty for ashes. And in part two, we looked closely at this idea of the joy instead of mourning, the oil of joy instead of mourning. And we we know that the presence of God dwelling in us anoints us with the presence and the power of joy and hope in our hearts to not to dispel grief, but to give us strength and encouragement through those seasons of grief and mourning. And last week, as Pastor Adrian brought the word, we looked at this idea of praise instead of despair, about how God offers us a way out of those desperate places, those long-term sadness and heaviness and anxiety, that the praise, He will give us a new song to sing, a new song to flow from our hearts. That was the idea of praise instead of despair. And so we have been looking taking each one of these trades and examining them so closely and trying to understand the different facets. But what we really see in this passage is a grand portrait. If we will zoom out for just a minute, what we see offered here in the prophet's writings are a portrait, a signpost of redemption, a signpost of reconciliation, of transformation available in Christ Jesus because the offer that exchanged here, if, you, if we just imagine for just a moment, if you will close your eyes with me and just picture the person that is described, the people that are described here. When we look at ashes and we understand that in this culture, in this context, that people would literally sit in a circle of ashes, the burned out, the burnt up, nothing left, not an ember of hope. They would sit among the ashes and they would put them over their head. And this was an outward display of the inward brokenness and grief that they were living in. So their very countenance is changed because of the heaviness of the world. And this person that we're imagining that we're seeing here is mourning in deep grief that is bent over by the weight of loss and grief. And finally, this portrait here of despair that there's no hope in a life that we can't control. And so as you survey this, and some of us may not have to imagine too far because we may feel like that's the world we stepped out of to come in here this morning. But as we look at this portrait of redemption, we have a contrast coming. Because as we see this idea and try to understand even putting ourselves in that place of being covered in ashes and mourning and grief and despair, as we look at the contrast offered in the great exchange, the difference of a life redeemed by Christ when we are reconciled to him. Because we have taken ashes and now he has bestowed upon us a crown of beauty, of splendor. And this idea was a a fine headdress. And so for our culture, our time, you might think that this person is contrasted from sitting in ashes to the glory of a wedding day or a prom or that thing we've really adorned ourselves with, fixed our hair and put on clean clothes. That idea of transformation of beauty for ashes. That's the beauty we receive from ash covered and disfigured to beautifully adorned by Christ. And the contrast continues because we have joy and hope instead of mourning. We are no longer bound by the chains of grief. We can anticipate a brighter future because we have the hope of eternity alive 
in our hearts. And finally, we have a renewed vision, a renewed outlook on life, a new song to sing that is overflowing from our hearts. So as we consider a moment, as we have taken the 10,000-foot removed view of this passage and looked at this portrait, there's a great contrast. And what we see in the difference is that the redeemed life, having taken God up on his offer of a great exchange, the quality and the substance of the lives that are represented within the redeemed are categorically and fundamentally and entirely different. It's a total transformation, a metamorphosis even. The Bible uses words like born again. It's a complete transformation in Christ Jesus. We find the Apostle Paul talking about these words, this idea of a great exchange, a a great transformation in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18, and just hear the great exchange passage here. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. You hear that great exchange there. The old has gone, the ashes, the hopelessness, the mourning, the despair is gone. Our old value systems are patterns of stinking thinking, as Pastor Margaret would say. Old has gone because we have found new life. We have been born again. We have received regenerate life in Christ Jesus at the uh, offer of the great exchange. This is not merely a remodel, a new coat of paint on those old kitchen cabinets. It's a totally new life. John MacArthur, in his commentary on this passage, he quotes, he says, the new life that is represented in Christ, this new creation is qualitatively new level of existence, entirely new level of existence. It refers to regeneration, to being born again, a completely new life. And when you look at the Greek tense here that Paul used, there's this ideal that it's a continual renewal. It's not a once and done, but it is a once and a continued renewal of our life. Jesus says so profoundly in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So friends, as we approach this passage, as we, as we look to God for, for redemption to make the great exchange, we're really having to approach God to receive him as his all because we don't approach God as though he were a vending machine, that though we go up and say, Lord, can you help me with my despair? And we wait for that help specifically. We don't approach, Lord, will you help me with my anxiety? And we receive an antidote to anxiety. No, what we receive in approaching God and asking for a great exchange is not a bit or piece of him, but what he desires is to give us his all. That's the great exchange, friends. It's an entirely new life, an entirely new operating system. As we receive his life, we will receive all of him. He, his life alive in us, is the beauty, is the joy, is the song of praise. It's all him. It's all his life in us. It's categorically different. It's categorically new, altogether different.
And we understand today that these words the prophet Isaiah penned were really understood by those who were in exile under the Babylonian Empire, that there was a promise to them. Everything they had known, their homes, their families, their way of life, everything that they had known was taken away as they were put into exile. And here this promise comes piercing that darkness saying, no, God's going to remake your life. He will transform you into his people again. God brought back his people, and we can read that through the Old Testament text, and ultimately we are brought back today because of Christ Jesus. It's the promise of new life for the exiles. So we look today, as we conclude this passage, at the great result of the great exchange as we try to understand as we are not coming for bits and pieces of God, but what we really approach from him is his life infilling us. We look at and try to understand, wrap our minds around this idea of a conclusion to the great exchange. The prophet Isaiah in our passage likened it to being oaks of righteousness. At the end of 61, verse 3, you will read that they will be called. So after the great exchange, after the beauty Uh, For ashes, they will be called, the people of God are called oaks of righteousness. And he goes on and says, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So this idea of oaks of righteousness is the great result, the great conclusion of our series, because it's what we get, it's the result of God's bad trades with us, is that we get new life. Within the Old Testament context, you have to understand an agrarian society, they couldn't have likened this new life to a skyscraper or a monument, but they likened it to an oak tree, mighty in strength, enduring for generations. We can read through many Old Testament metaphors where the tree conveys an idea of courage and strength and fruitfulness, prosperity. This word for oaks in our passage conveys these same ideas. As we read in Psalm 52, there, a tree is likened again to trust and praise and hope. It says, but I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. And I will hope in your name for your name is good. So here again, we see This idea that oak trees are conveying strength and staying power, holding power, when they want to relate to what the topic they're talking about. So as we understand this idea of the great exchange, that the result is that we are made lasting and strong because of Christ Jesus. And it's interesting today that the prophet did not talk about, I mean, we're looking this entire series of beauty for ashes. There's probably a more beautiful thing to look at than an oak tree. I mean, we can remember beautiful flowers and of the field, but in scriptural context, those were often referred to when the idea was fleeting, that it was passing. And we recognize that, guys in the room, if you've brought your sweetheart some Valentine's Day flowers, you traded that nice, crisp Benjamin $100 bill for that bouquet of flowers, and you are not in the doghouse this year. But you take those things home, and we set them on the counter, and within days, they begin to wilt. The beauty begins to fade. And I think that's what Isaiah wanted to communicate here, is that the result of God's great exchange is not fleeting. It's not great beauty that deteriorates in weeks. It's strong. 
for generations, the ability to withstand many storms. As we consider today this analogy of an oak tree, what lessons might we view? What findings might we discover if we look close upon this metaphor of an oak tree? One of the first things we understand is that every oak tree starts out as a tiny acorn. And I, I dug out an acorn for underneath our porch this morning before I left the house, but when I pulled in and saw a barbecue chicken, I got distracted and left it in the car. So, <laughs> but you're all familiar with an acorn as the beginning of an oak tree. And so what we he- see here is a seemingly insignificant start because as around our house, Acorns are around everywhere, and it can seem so insignificant, but what is taking shape when they are planted by the Lord is that they begin to take root, they begin to grow, they begin to gain strength, they begin to gain a foundation. And sometimes, friends, we can get so discouraged because we hear messages like this, we hear the invitation to make the great exchange, and we get so disappointed that we don't see an instant display of what's taken shape. But we can take heart today that God has planted his life in us as his children. We can take heart because we are growing roots deep in his grace and mercy and his faithfulness and love. He will grow us if we are faithful to seek him. Another facet of oak trees is that they take a long time to grow even decades to mature. And if you think about the oak tree that's down in Stonewall Memorial Park, it is just massive. And we know that that has taken decades to grow to that great splendor. For years, that tree might not look like a whole lot. It might just be one stalk coming out of the ground with a few branches. And we try to straighten them up. We try to protect them because they're so weak at that stage in time. But friends, there is a time process of growth and strengthening there that that tree is undergoing. We might look at our lives and our journey with Jesus and say, I don't feel like I'm growing. I don't feel the great power that you're talking about. Friends, sometimes our feelings can mislead us. Our feelings are not always the best gauge of what God's up to. We have to stand on his promise and we have to petition to him to grow, to strengthen, to take root, We have to be cautious in letting our emotions and our feelings be the judge of the new life that Christ is working within us. And finally today, one of the great things and the the really neat things is that as oak trees are planted, they bring life. They bring life. Have you ever just sat under an oak tree and just looked at how its branches are teeming with life? If you're watching birds, they are flying through its branches without care. They're landing, they're nesting, they're providing for the next generation. And certainly if you're around the right time of the year, you're going to find squirrels acting as crazed gymnasts as they run up and down the branches looking for acorns and building their home. Oak trees where they are planted bring life. If you've ever found yourself on a construction project or maybe it's the honeydew list at home, you're in the hot summer sun, you're working hard all day, and when you want that moment of reprieve, you seek the shade of the trees. And as you step under their branches, under their protective care, it's like a weight is lifted off of you. The relief is palatable. This idea that oak trees bring life. If you're a deer hunter, you know this better than I can begin to explain that there are certain times of the year where the pattern of the white-tailed deer revolves around the oak tree and its fruit 
falling to the ground. Deer come to that source of food because they need the fat and the nutrients found in those acorns to get through the winter ahead. Oak trees where they are planted bring life. Even our dogs who have dog food galore enjoy a good acorn. It's, it's ridiculous. But this idea that the oak tree grown and given over to its purpose, its call of God brings life. And I think today, friends, I think that's the bridge that Isaiah wanted us to see here to try to get a grip on. What we see here is that this great exchange, as we look back at the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a song of praise for despair, what we look back and see is that it's more, that redemption is for more than our glory, it's for his. The great exchange is for more than our glory. It's for his. As I was studying this passage this week and trying to figure out what the conclusion to this message was, really for me it's in the last couple words of verse 3. The prophet Isaiah says, They will be called oaks of righteousness. The result is that they are going to be called oaks of righteousness, strong and firm for generations, able to weather the storm, a planting of the Lord. Catch this. Why? For what purpose? What is the purpose, the end result? What's the great call and the great exchange? For the display of his splendor. Now this idea of splendor here is really coming from the same root word that we started our passage with beauty. And so this great exchange is bookended by God's splendor, by God's beauty Isn't that an amazing truth? And I know that I think about these kind of things way too much and probably a little weird, but the great exchange is for the display of his splendor. The display of his splendor. From the ashes in the morning, the despair, I mean, whatever your life looked like before Christ, and some stories are different than others. I mean, it, I was so enveloped in myself in pursuits of pride and worldly things, and I can look back and say that God's redemption has covered that mess that I made, and now, because of the great trade in Christ Jesus, we can be made new from that wreckage to the display of his splendor. And when you think about God's splendor, when we think about the most picturesque sunset, that's God's splendor. What about the snow-capped mountains or the crystal blue seas? That's God's splendor. And he's calling us into that reality that through the great exchange, through redemption, he will so transform us from the wreckage, the ashes of our lives that we can be for the display of God's splendor. What an amazing truth today that we, his kids, who've blown it, he brings us back in reconciliation and redemption and says, look, son, daughter, you're for my, you're for the display of my splendor. What a glorious invitation. What a glorious invitation. 
as we look back on this great exchange, as we look back on what God's offer is, that we have traded the wreckage, the ashes, the broken places, and we have received his new life categorically different. It's so easy to get distracted, to just receive those things and go about our own way, seeking our own splendor. And that's okay. I mean, we need jobs and productivity. We need a home or good relationships and all those things are okay. But if those become our entire pursuit, if that's what we receive the great exchange and invest it into, I think Isaiah would say today that we've missed it. Because the, the redemption is for his glory. For his beauty. Friends, we're called into a greater purpose than our own a greater mission. A lot of the things that we give our pursuits to, our time, our talents, our focus, are like the Valentine's Day flowers that are long gone. And if I'm honest, I like the flowers of life, and I'm not talking about tulips and roses. But I mean, I enjoy hobbies, I enjoy uh, keeping up a home, or I enjoy boats, like really, I enjoy boats. But how much of my time do I devote to those things, and how much my talents and treasure go into those pursuits that are fleeting, that are fleeting? What splendor are you giving your life to? What splendor are you giving your life to? Maybe this redemption, as we are categorically different, people are going to notice. I mean, it's so easy to use that for our gain in personal relationships. Because, friends, people, we are created in the image of God, and we desire grace and mercy and righteousness, whether we can put names on it or not. And so, as we're living out this life, people are drawn to us because of Christ. They're not drawn to us. They're drawn to Christ in us. It's so easy to use the great exchange to receive his abundant blessing and pursue our splendor and not his. Do you want to trade today? Do you want to trade today the pursuit of your splendor for the giving over of yourself for his splendor? As the band comes today, do you want to trade? Will we offer him our time for his splendor? Will we offer our talents, those things we are good at, those things we are gifted at, will we receive from him the redemption and new life in Christ? Will we offer him our talents for the display of his splendor? As I was studying this this week, I just can't get beyond this idea that God can display his splendor through us. But we have to let him. We have to let him. You might be trying to think today, what does that even mean? What does that look like? And friends, we're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit to tell us what that looks like in our context. What does it look like that everything I do, everything I post on my social media account, every hour I give of my day, every relationship I have to be for the splendor of God? What does that look like in your life? Friends, I think the reality is that as we are called 
the display of God's splendor is redemption. It's reconciliation for the exile. We've received it, and I believe today that the call for us as oaks of righteousness is to bear our branches and bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit that life may come and find Christ Jesus through us. As the sap of His grace and mercy produces fruit, can we talk? Can we tell our friends, Lo, friend, you have come to me, but really you're seeking Christ. Do you know Him today, friend? The display of God's splendor. We have been remade from those broken places so we can display His splendor. So we can invite others to find the hope of Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, we thank you today, Father, that your life, your great exchange, that you don't just give us the peace of you that we ask for, Lord God, but you desire to fill us to overflowing with your gracious and holy presence, God. May we receive you today. May we receive you today. Lord Jesus, will you point out those areas in our lives where we have held on, where we are committed to living to our splendor instead of yours? God, will you help us today to see those places? Will you help us today to see how we can live for the display of your splendor, God? Father, we don't want to invest our lives in Valentine's Day flowers that are going to be gone tomorrow. God, your invitation, your redemption, the great exchange is that we can give our all for your kingdom that will last for eternity, Lord. May we live for the display of your splendor, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.